Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Hi, it's Matt Harris, uh, host of this podcast, and so happy for the support. I want to let you know that I use Anchor, and you too can use Anchor and make your podcast. You record and edit right from your phone or computer when you use Anchor, and you can even add any song from Spotify. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so you can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Thank you. Impact of Influence, the tragic story of a powerful South Carolina family and the mysterious deaths that they are linked to. Once again, thank you, and we are so happy to have you back with us. The podcast has been more of a success than we ever dreamed, and hopefully it will lead to some sort of justice for all those involved. And we want to uh, ask you to reach out to us with any information you have or maybe things that you hear us say that you don't think were said correctly. We're more than happy to hear from you. Join Seton Tucker on Seton Tucker's Facebook page, S-E-T-O-N Tucker. Uh, Matt Harris from the Matt and Ramona Show on 107.9 WLNK through Facebook or MattHarris1028 at gmail.com. In this episode, Connor Cook's deposition from 2020. We will get to that. There's some really interesting things in that. Also, we're going to talk to an attorney who works in that area and some of her thoughts on the various cases that are all tied up with the Murdoch family, the boating accident, Stephen Smith, etc. Seton, hello. Hello. So uh, the latest we want to start with, by the way, is the news that broke out just a few days ago. Actually, as we're recording this, it was one day ago, about Duffy Stone, the 14th Circuit Solicitor, and the fact that Duffy has recused himself from the investigation into the June double homicide of Paul Murdoch and his mother Maggie, and give us the facts on what happened here. Okay, so on August 11th, he sent a letter citing the events of today's lead investigation of the homicides of Paul and Maggie Murdoch. I am asking you to assume all prosecutorial functions in this matter immediately. There. That's a... You know, people have been saying he should recuse himself from prosecuting the cases because of how tight he is with the Murdoch family. He's basically handpicked by them to replace the senior Murdoch who had died or decided not to run, I should say. Right. And they donated to his campaign. And, you know, he had ties to the family. But back in June, he said, to my knowledge, there is no clear suspect in the case at this time. So since he said that, Back in June, it kind of makes you wonder, is there a suspect? I mean, they have no suspect. You know, nobody's been arrested. So we don't know what happened on August 11th in the investigation that made him decide that he no longer needed to be involved. I talked to an attorney who speculated that maybe he's just getting ahead of it. Maybe he, you know, being so tight with the Murdochs, they could be constantly asking him, what's happening, what's happening, what's happening? And the more that he gets asked, the more he might release that shouldn't be released. Uh, this way, he just walks away. He talked to 
an ethics professor from a USC law school and used him as a consultant and said that with that conversation, he discovered that maybe it's best to walk away. He's probably going to, it's very possible he's going to have to be uh, deposed in the lawsuit that may happen with Connor Cook's family citing a conspiracy with a lot of the uh, DNR officers and SLED and that sort of thing. So he might have to uh, appear in that court case. So maybe he just decided there's too much. I would hate to have somebody get off on some sort of technicality because I didn't handle something right. Yeah, I thought it was pretty responsible for him to have this consultant and really being on top of it and making the decision to do it was probably, obviously, he had a reason to do that. But now that there is more active litigation with Connor Cook's suit and all of that, it probably is a lot. Yes. And uh, again, thank you, uh, Island Packet, for reporting on this. And Post and Courier. Yes. And uh, it was 2006 when Stone took over the office that three generations of Murdochs had served in that role. And then it was two years ago, for those who have been paying attention, when Mallory Beach went missing after the boat crashed into a bridge near Paris Island. And Stone had almost immediately stepped away from that investigation and it was an ethical decision he decided at that point because the boat's occupants were related to employees in Stone's office. So he has stepped away now. So that brings us to the deposition that was released just a few weeks, or actually from the time of this recording, about a week ago, of Connor Cook that was taken in 2020 about the boating accident. There's other episodes on the boating accident. In our podcast, you can check back and find out more. The boating accident that killed Mallory Beach in 2019, where eventually Paul Murdoch, who has since been murdered, was charged with boating under the influence uh, involving a death and two counts of boating under the influence with injury. This document is pretty interesting. And I want to ask you first, though, Seton, why is this deposition, why was this deposition even taken? Who took the deposition, not specifically the uh, attorney or whatever, but what, why was Connor Cook giving this deposition back in, I think it was January of 2020 or December 2020? So this was part of the civil litigation filed by Renee Beach, Mallory Beach's mother. Okay, so that's why, because this SLED has, or DNR, I should say, has maintained that Connor Cook has never given them a statement. This statement was not officially to DNR. This was a part of the civil lawsuit. Yes. Okay, so what, what, are you, what are the major takeaways from this deposition? Okay, so my first major takeaway is that he was told to keep his mouth shut by Alec Murdoch when he was in the hallway um, and told him to basically say he didn't know he was driving the boat. Now, this was corroborated in some of the, we went over in a previous episode, some of the nurse's statements. Okay, what else uh, are the big takeaways? Okay, he also, he told Anthony that he was scared of the, that the Murdochs were trying to pin it on him. Okay. So he, he says that in his deposition, and he also says that he changed his story when he found out someone was trying to pin it on him. And we were wondering where he got that idea, and then we find in the deposition the incident in the ambulance. Right. So he 
and Miley, we knew this before, were riding in the ambulance with Paul, and he is talking to his grandfather, and he tells his grandfather, when the grandfather asks who was driving, he says, Cotton Top, and that was Connor's nickname. Right, so that's when Connor says in this deposition, he started to start to think that, wait, wait, what's, what's going on here, basically? I'm, I'm you know, paraphrasing. He says he's... He, He's nodding his head no, and Miley is nodding her head no. Mm -hmm. Okay, what else do we take from Connor's deposition? Well, he also says that he was scared to, mentions multiple times he was scared to tell the truth. And when asked why, he says, well, I was told to, and being who they are, I was doing what I was told. Okay, so the intimidation, feels kind of intimidated, is what you read into that. The takeaway or opinion I have on that is that it doesn't necessarily mean, and I talked to a couple of attorneys about this, that what Alec was doing was this really nefarious, awful, trying to trick people thing. It's possible, but it's also possible, my attorney friend said, if they were an attorney and they were there and it was a friend of theirs, uh, a friend of their sons, they would have said the same thing. Don't right. talk. Well, any attorney, we've discussed this before, any yes. attorney tells you, not to talk. Now, it could be, you know, Alec, we don't know the intent of Alec, if it was a, a complete cover-up or if it was, hey, I just don't, this is what I, I'm in lawyer mode. You guys don't talk. You know, but he's not mentioning, it, it's almost like he's scared. He doesn't say, he said them being who they are. He doesn't say any specific name. True. Them could be Paul, Alec, Grandpa, <laughs> all the Murdochs. Right. It could be anybody. So that brings us to one of the real big takeaways or big splashes that was made with his deposition. And we will give it to you uh, as we read down the deposition. Seton, you can handle the, the questions from the attorney, and I will be answering with uh, the answers that Connor Cook gave. Okay, so do you know anything else, any other incidents that would cause you concern? Yes, sir. What it, what's that? There's a couple of things that had happened in Hampton that I'd heard about. What's that? Well, one was said that Paul had pushed his housemate down the stairs and she died and nothing ever happened. And another one, there was something that Paul was supposedly involved with a guy, got found beat up in the middle of the road that they got out of. Wow. Yeah. I mean, they don't say, and he says he doesn't know names. He goes on that they ask him specifics about that and he doesn't know specifics. The inter one of the interesting things is, or something I should point out is, that this deposition from Connor was taken before everything became national news. This story wasn't in People Magazine and in podcasts and, and whatnot. So the rumors of the tragedies or untimely deaths that surrounded the Murdochs was well-known in that community. Right. Island Packet was reporting on it, but it was not national news right. at that point. Take a little break and uh, get you ready for some traveling you've got coming up, some international trip where you want to be able to at least get around, right? So you want to learn the language of the country that you're going to. You want to experience it with a little bit of knowledge going in, and you can get a lot of bit of knowledge when you use Rosetta Stone. It's the most trusted language learning program. It's available on desktop it can also be used as an app on your phone or tablet. And Rosetta Stone teaches through immersion. 
So instead of memorizing and drilling vocabulary words, you learn by matching audio from native speakers to visuals. You read stories, you participate in dialogues, so you are ready to go. It's the most trusted, time-tested app out there. They've been the expert in language learning for 30 years. Buy Rosetta Stone now, and you never have to pay a renewal fee. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, Impact of Influence listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 40% off. That's 40% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 40% off at rosettastone.com backslash today. So he and we are going to so we're treading lightly. That's what's weird about this because we want to tread lightly on rumor and but the fact that he believed it to be true, that's not a rumor because he believed it to be true. And there were rumors. And we assume that the case with a housekeeper falling down the stairs to her death is Satterfield. Well, it could be, but you know, we've mentioned right. in our other podcast that Maggie and Paul were mentioned in her obituary as almost like family. Right. So, I mean, that what well, doesn't have to be true, and it just has to be that there was a rumor. A rumor isn't necessarily true. It's just something that yeah, Connor they, says in his deposition never that been, he had heard. They have never been convicted or indicted on any of these charges. And if you're wondering what the Satterfield situation we're talking about is, is Gloria Satterfield who was, she was young, and she fell and died on Alec Murdoch's property, and there was a a lawsuit that came from it. There's a settlement on their homeowner's insurance. Yes. Um, And the person who we think, or I think it's fair to think that Connor thinks he's talking about, that was beaten in the middle of the road, According to his deposition, a rumor doesn't mean the rumor is true, but the fact that he believed it was true means there was a rumor. Um, lines up with the Stephen Smith case where Stephen Smith's death was ruled a hit and run, but there were law enforcement officials who believed it to be something else. Right. And that's on a, a podcast as well. And the other question I have, I know they grew up together, but I'm also like, why are you hanging out with someone if they have pushed someone down the stairs and involved in a potential beating. I mean, if, if he yes. believed these to be true, I don't know. Well, I mean, I know they grew up together. People at that age don't always make the best decisions, but... Of course, also, just to play all the all the, all the angles, maybe Connor didn't hear about those till after well, that could the be voting true. accident. Yeah, I didn't and even think about like, that. people are like, you better not say anything. You know what happened? Da, 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 da. Now, that's possible, but it's also possible that he heard the rumors. He didn't, didn't really, you know put much stock in them, but the Murdochs, you know, they had boats, they had a place to stay, they had a hunting area, and we know that they all, all the kids in the, on the boat had hunting licenses, I believe all yeah, of them. Yeah, they were all... Which is just normal in that out, area. Outdoors. So, you know, you're young, you, uh, we've all had some friends that probably our parents wish we weren't hanging out with. Uh, so, those are the big takeaways from Connor's deposition. The other news that has come out uh, from the Island Packet, and the writer is Drew Martin. Uh, Miley Altman, uh, her boyfriend, Connor Cook, who we're at the deposition of, did a one-hour sit-down with DNR, South Carolina 
Department of Natural Resources. And this was the night after the fatal accident. And like I said, it was an hour-long interview. This is 48 seconds of it uh, right here. Like I never saw who was driving again. Who was the last person you saw driving? I'm pretty sure it was Paul. But I mean, it could have been back and forth between them because he was just, you know, not in his right mind. Like, he was just like, I need to drive and all this kind of stuff. He was, like I said, he's very persistent with driving. So I'm pretty sure. Because I don't know that for a fact because I was still... I was still standing, like, I was still facing forward, like, I didn't, I wasn't, like, you know, constantly looking back, mm -hmm. but, like, I was, as I was looking forward, like, I'm, the last person I saw was him, so. Okay. So she believes that Paul was the driver, but she says she doesn't know for a fact. She says, one of the quotes, if you couldn't pick it up, was, I'm very sure it was Paul, but it could have been back and forth between them, Connor and Paul. I wasn't constantly looking back uh, because she was comforting. Uh, Dowdy. So and she mentions she does mention in her written statement that she looked back. Yes. And it also we have to note that we are missing the audio of Anthony Cook from that evening. There you go. Uh, that brings us to our guest. She is Susan Williams, a South Carolina native, very familiar with the Murdochs in that area. Defense attorney, former prosecutor. Hello, Susan. Hi, Matt. Hi, Seaton. Hello, Susan. Um, I know you're very familiar with that area, so I've seen a lot of public outcry of why it took so long for it to come to trial. Paul was involved in a boating accident back in February of 2019, and when he was found dead in June of 2021, it still had not come to trial. Is that a normal length of time? Well, yes and no. The typical time frame for three counts of felony boating under the influence when we're not in COVID is about one to two years. It doesn't move as fast as what we see on TV shows like CSI or Forensic Files or whatever it is folks are watching. But on TV, we see an arrest, a few meetings with lawyers, yeah. a trial, and a verdict all in less than an hour. And that's just not really the way it works at all. So I would also ask you this question. Did COVID or could COVID have affected the delay on prosecution? Right, right. So the courts shut down. They opened and shut down completely um, that we were going virtual at some point. But uh, just last week, uh, Charleston County had their first jury trial that they've had in uh, just about a year and a half. The other part of this with COVID is, is SLED. The evidence has to be processed by SLED, the South Carolina Law Enforcement Division, which, as you know, is the equivalent of the FBI in South Carolina. And they, too, were affected by this pandemic. So, you know, simple drug analysis for one of my cases may take three to six months in non-COVID times. And now it may take it's probably backed up at least a year. And that that's just for, I'm saying for my cases, I'm not saying there were any drug tests that I know of in the Murdoch case. The other thing we want to bring up is an article that was in the Island Packet. The headline, here's what Paul Murdoch's defense lawyers plan to argue during boat crash trial. So they went on record as saying what their defense is going to be. What do you have out of there that jumped out at you, uh, Seton? Well, so his attorneys say that they were confident in his defense, that they believed that there wasn't enough evidence for him to be convicted guilty beyond a reasonable doubt. And they also say Paul steadfastly maintained that he wasn't driving the boat when it crashed. Uh, in the article, says the strategy 
was disputing the conclusions from his blood draw, and also the jury being swayed by the publicity, and also that there was confusion. Uh, in fact, DNR files, they say, show passengers of the boat gave conflicting statements to investigators about who was driving when they crashed. At the time, the investigators were unsure whether it was Murdoch or Connor Cook. That was what the defense was going to paint. And Susan, we bring you back in, Susan Williams. Uh, we seem to think there was confusion. Do you agree with that? There was definitely some confusion. Whether it was bad faith or good faith remains to be seen. Right. So first of all, uh, the attorney general would have to prove that Paul was under the influence while driving or operating that boat at the time of the boat crash and that he caused Mallory Beach's death, Connor Cook's and Morgan Dowdy's injuries. So one of the things the prosecutor would have to prove is that Paul was impaired at the time. What would you do as a defense attorney? I would bring in an expert witness, a chemist, someone from out of state with no ties to South Carolina or the Murdoffs, so an impartial party who has testified before for both the prosecution and the state to testify about the blood draw, the chain of custody, the time the blood was taken versus the time of the accident. And his blood alcohol level was likely steadily increasing with those shots at Luther's of Jaegerbaum and Lemon Drop. His, his blood alcohol level was likely increasing as he got closer to Archer's Creek. Uh, so they would, an expert could explain that. And then once they get to the, to the hospital, uh, the, the manner of the blood draw, the search warrant, the chain of custody, the, t the temperature it was kept, that can, can do with clotting, the manner the tube was sealed and stored. Then we've got the whole establishing reasonable doubt that Paul was not the driver. And then, and then the third thing that I would go on is that, as any defense lawyer would, criticize or look at the missing or insufficient evidence of each of the law enforcement agencies. And again, we want to point out, and I know that we talked, Susan, that because some evidence was missing, we talked about Paul's pants and uh, a taped interview. That doesn't necessarily mean it was bad faith. There's a lot of agencies working on this, so it could have been mistakes in that part. So we're not going to get into that at this moment. Well, one thing I kind of wanted to go over is we've mentioned in previous episodes that some of the DNR officers had some connections with the Murdoch family. So I was just hoping that you might could go over some of those. Yes, yeah, some of the DNR officers as well as the Beaufort County Sheriff's Office. But first, I want to put out there, we don't know if these officers' actions were intentional, unintentional, error, small town, working under extreme time constraints, limited resources, multiple agencies. With that being said, Pritchard played in a golf tournament sponsored by the Murdoffs. One officer hunted with the Murdoffs, which may not seem like a big deal if you're not from South Carolina or you're not a hunter or familiar with the hunting in South Carolina. Moselle is 1,670 acres, which is like over three times of the size of the city of Charleston, private hunting land, perfect for deer hunters, bird hunters, turkey hunters, even women hunt in South Carolina. Uh, there's a real privilege to hunt on land like this that is not overhunted by, say, hunt clubs. Um, they, they may have buck management. Um, some private lands have 
landowners have rules that the owners will allow you to shoot, but only, you know, if, if it only has certain points on one side. Uh, um, but some real trophy bucks to be hunted out there on Moselle, I can imagine. Of course, I've never been there, but I, but deer hunting with an officer, that, that's why I wanted to highlight um that's sort of that's kind of a big deal if that officer was in the hunting. There's a few other connections we talk about in one of the previous episodes as well, but I want to get to the response that DNR came out with to Connor Cook's attorney's allegations that there might be a conspiracy. What do you have, Seton? Well, so they actually called it potentially frivolous, which I found, you know, pretty strong words there. And he says as Connor Cook's testimony reveals, he lied early on and often to investigators, refusing even to this day to provide a statement to South Carolina DNR indicating he knew Paul was driving. And in the deposition, you hear why he didn't talk to them. One of the reasons why was he a little afraid and also um, that Mr. Murdoch had told him, Alec had said, don't talk. So... Uh, I also, as, as we start to wrap up here, Susan Williams, South Carolina native, defense attorney, former prosecutor, are you at all surprised that we haven't had some solution to the murders of Paul and Maggie Murdoch? And, and why do you think that could be? Because we are still in this COVID backlog with SLED, the South Carolina Law Enforcement Division, they are backed up beyond belief due to COVID. They... They know that this case is in the public eye. They know that it's in, and they are going to do everything they can. They're not, they're not going to rush this case or any other case. They're going to do it a fine job. They're going to do a thorough job. And if and when they decide to release anything, then we'll know. But until then, they're they're not saying anything to preserve the integrity of their investigation, and that's normal. Susan Williams, thank you uh, very much. Uh, thank you for having me. Th- you're glad to have you. Is there any, uh, would you like, if people want to get in contact with you, wh- how would they uh, do that? My website is www.swilliams-law.net. And Great. my office is located in Somerville, South Carolina. You can find me online at Carolina Lady Lawyer on Instagram. Thanks so much for having me. Uh, it's been a pleasure, Susan. Susan Williams also has a YouTube channel, by the way, where she talks about the Murdoch case. You can go to YouTube, type in Susan Williams Murdoch or something like that and find it. We are out for this episode. Uh, we will be back when something breaks. Seton Tucker, thank you. Seton Tucker on Facebook, S-E-T-O-N Tucker. Matt Harris, 1028 at gmail.com. Also from the Matt and Ramona show on WLNK. We will talk soon. Spin your passion into a business of Shopify and break sales records with the world's best converting checkout. Let's hear that one more time. The world's best converting checkout. Shopify's legendary checkout makes it easier for customers to shop on your website, across social media, and everywhere in between. Now that's music to your ears. Any way you spin it, you can be a smash hit with Shopify. Start your dollar a month trial today at shopify.com slash records. So when the scammer uses the hypnotic method of building rapport, then they create dysfunctional, delusional reality. That's how a scam begins, convincing the mark that it makes perfect sense to hand over their money to a con artist. The Scams and Cons podcast tells you how scams are run. You'll hear how people are convinced to buy fake art, buy machines that print money, 
or steal your house. I get a phone call from my wife and she let me know that they had decided to move all our stuff out. I can no longer do anything about it except go through an eviction. And you'll hear it from the experts, people who run the cons. So we go to your bank, you go in and get 6,000 cash, give us each 3,000, we give you this. Uh You go home and what you find out is cut up newspaper. It's fun to know how the trick is done. And that's what Scams and Cons is all about. Listen at scamsandcons.com or wherever fine podcasts are found.